Welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And before we get to this week's guest, I just want to, as always, shout out my patrons, Rob Sturobin, Robert Prine, Mary Jane, and Case Aiken. Thank you for supporting me on Patreon. If you, too, would like to get a shout out on this podcast and other really cool rewards, go to patreon.com slash stormageddon. Um, it starts as low as a dollar and goes all the way up to a private DJ gig for uh, 500 and tons of stuff in between, including fan fiction, needlepoint, playlists, audio content, a whole bunch of stuff. So go check it out. I appreciate the support. Also, just liking, subscribing, reviewing helps a ton. On to this week's guest. My guest is the incredible Heart Crimson. They came on the show to talk about their incredible burlesque show called Burlexes. It is a... Ode to the Past Relationship. Um, it's a burlesque show that focuses on what has happened and how we have grown from it. It's really awesome. We talk about a few different things, but for the most part, this episode focuses on that. And in that episode, we did not have a date for that show this year, but they have since reached out and let me know that Burlexes this year, in our year 2019, is happening on September 14th at the WOW Cafe Theater in NYC. Uh, ticket details are to come. Follow my Twitter or the f- website for Crash Chords to get more information. But enough about that. Enjoy this episode where I chat with the incredible Heart Crimson. Maybe in 2013 or 14, 13, I think. Oh, it was a New Year's. It was a New Year's Day wedding, and it was at Neil Gaiman's house. What? <laughs> was he there? <laughs> yeah, he was there. Whose wedding was this? Uh, two friends of my date. Okay. Um, and I was just the plus one, and Amanda was there, and. Well, I'd assume. Yeah, I mean, like, he was like, yeah, it's, it's just me, like, I'm Amanda Popper's not here. Um, but he is tall. He's, like, really tall and fly away black hair. Yeah. And just, he's so dream. Like, I, I, he is that character, like, I met him body. once yeah. uh, for a Tuesday Out, which was his, his, his uh, kid's book that he yeah. wrote. Um, I went to the signing for it and... Like, I don't usually, like, I can function around celebrities that I admire and mm-hmm. not, like, swallow my foot. But for whatever reason, I was fine until I got to the table. And, yeah, then yeah. I couldn't talk. Like, I, I mumbled through how he wrote my favorite episode of Doctor Who. Oh, how much I love. <laughs> Damn it. Like, like, and how I love the book. And, like, yeah. like I just, like, Coraline and, yeah. like, it was just, it was a mess. It's so hard. I, I was in line behind him at the buffet. Oh, actually, it was, yeah, it was. This is weird. It was at the buffet in the um, house, and it was, uh, he and Amanda had moved into a very, like, a large, like, a manor, Mm -hmm. Um, and they were there temporarily because one of Amanda's childhood friends was dying, and so they they just, they they hadn't had their son yet, and they just moved, and Amanda named her son after this person. Oh, wow. And they moved to, into this manor, and it was just the two of them, but it was, like, so many bedrooms, and I remember, like, the house was so... It was like cavernous um, and old and beautiful and 
uh, they let these two friends use it for their wedding. And the way that it was, they were both, mus or one of them at least is a musician. And so mm -hmm. all of the, the garlands were made of like sheet music that had been like cut into oh, cool. paper chains. And it was really beautiful. And they had set up different rooms for different things, which is like what you have to do in a mansion with so many bedrooms and two people living in it. And like even the walk-in closets were big enough for, like they, they had set up some walk-in closets to be like quiet spaces if you need to like oh, take wow. a step away. And like you could go into one of these like closets and sit down and like there, there were like comforters and pillows and string lights and all these little like paper chains. It was so beautiful. Um, and I was, uh, the, 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 one of the, one of the brides, um, also like her band also played at the wedding oh, cool. um, and it was cool. And, uh, the, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're technical terms for wedding meals, like the food, it wasn't a dinner and it wasn't a lunch. I don't know what it was. Okay. It, it was like, it was somewhere in between and uh, it wasn't ceremonious, but I was like standing in front of Neil in line to like self-serve <laughs> some food. And I didn't say anything to him because I like couldn't. Yeah. I was like, what the, like, oh, you changed my life. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. It always sounds so stupid. <laughs> I like, I couldn't do it. But I like, I was like, um, I just need to, uh, I'm just gonna get some more mushroom caps. <laughs> Put some fucking mushroom caps on my plate, and that was what I said to Neil. And he was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, of course. So bad. By the way, I've been recording. Just yeah, so you I'm know. Glad. I'm yeah, glad that you have this memory. This is on record now. <laughs> I'm glad. For those tuning in, I am chatting with the incredible Heart Crimson. Okay. I can't even say your name, Heart Crimson. Um, thank you for being on the show Hi. and sharing your wedding stories about being at Neil Gaiman's home. I've never been, I haven't been to a wedding since. I think really? partially is that like people my age aren't really getting married. Yeah. That, at least that are, are in my close circles. Sure. Um, Not the old fogies like us who are already listen, married. Listen, I want a good old fashioned party. <laughs> I want, I mean, I have, the, the phrase that people joke about is like, I don't think I want to be married. I think I want a wedding. Yeah. Like, sometimes people mm -hmm. say that when they, like, they mean, like, I want a party. Yeah. Um, well, because also weddings are very specific kind of party. Yeah. And performance. Yeah. Like, even if, I mean, like, when I got married, I was genuinely happy and excited, but there are also stressful things that day. And, like, so part of it is performative. Yeah. And I, I can totally. to I could totally see someone just wanting that part. I mean, that's why Tony and Tina's wedding ran for as long as it did. Is like, yeah. people want to be a part of that festivity without it being a real festivity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, my friend was like, I don't think that I want uh, to be married. Uh, I think that I want attention. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, legit. I want, I want people to fly to this right. party. I want people to get on a plane. I'm <laughs> like, have to plan months in advance to attend this party that I'm throwing. <laughs> right. But, but just saying I'm having a party doesn't have the oomph really that doesn't. like a wedding really or doesn't. a Sweet 16 or a B'nai Mitzvah does. Um... That's really funny. But I get it. Yeah, totally. I mean, we're also we're living in a world where, like, there's so much pressure on relationships and parties and being totally. happy and all of that stuff in a way that yeah. is visible to the social world around you. Like, I remember, yeah. like, I mean, you have a lot of experience create, curating an online per, pers, uh, persona, presence, all that nonsense. And I have two... A few weeks ago, and this is the first time I'm actually mentioning on the podcast, I got locked in an elevator for an hour. Yeah. And I'm claustrophobic, mm -hmm. and it was traumatic. And, like, I had a coworker talking to me through a crack in the door. It was stuck on my floor, thankfully. Oh. But, like, 
as soon as it was over, I broke down. I went home after work. Yeah. But there was this weird part of my brain that was like, how do I post on social media about this? Yeah. Because, like, I want people to know why I'm not posting. And also, I want some sympathy for, like, this thing I endured. Yeah. And so, of course, you make the post about, here's the thing I endured. I'm miserable. I'm upset. And people come to you. But then it's like a few days later when I'm posting a selfie, I'm like, this doesn't feel real or authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I'm not in a good place still. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's like, there's a threshold of acceptability right? to still be shaken up by something. Well, yeah. And I had people cracking jokes in my office at first because they didn't know. Like, so someone who wouldn't be scared in that situation. Yeah. And she's a woman in my office, really lovely. She walked up and she's like, so, you know, still traumatized? Like, wanting to have, you know, have fun and like, make me feel better. And I was like, actually, I'm claustrophobic. I was quite traumatized. And she immediately felt sorry. I was like, which is, which is fine. And again, I didn't take offense to that, but it was like, there's this expectation to be okay immediately. Oh, totally. My brother did that too. He sent a text saying, nobody got locked in any elevators this today, did they? And it was like a week later and I didn't respond. And then he wrote another text uh, like a few days later like like with a sad face like I guess this didn't go well and I was yeah. like and I explained I was like this was really upsetting yeah. I didn't really appreciate it and he immediately apologized good so but like, still it's like yeah there's totally that expectation that you only have you have an acceptable amount of time to be upset yeah by this and then after that it's like we can joke about it right and it's like actually I carry this <laughs> yeah I can't joke about this thing well also yeah. like for people who don't get affected by that mm-hmm. stuff to them they have no idea what the acceptable time period mm-hmm. is like there are tons of comedians who work heavy trauma into their acts mm-hmm. and after a short amount of time yes you know yeah. uh, m- the example that jumps to mind is Tignataro mm-hmm. who's been through so much mm-hmm. and she's been writing jokes and performing about the stuff she's gone through since it happened, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Because that's how she processes. That's part of the processing. For right. Sure. But, like, someone who doesn't process through art or doesn't process through that stuff yeah. doesn't quite know how to do that. Or it, what the time period is for doing that. I remember when I was on Instagram. Uh, and, like, I, I remember being so visible for so long. Yeah. And it was... It like it is it is it was making my pain visible, but also that visibility giving me pain too. Sure. Uh, kind of like feeding on itself, and like think that, I think that like the best parts of that persona that I was curating was really just that like I would get messages from other like Asian queer people, trans people of color, like all over the United States and sometimes the world. Who would be like, I've never seen somebody who looks like me do what you do. Yeah. And that's what I miss Yeah. about Instagram. I don't miss a whole lot else. <laughs> yeah. I don't miss a that's lot fair. else about being that visible. Yeah. Um, because like every third comment is about my feet. You know what of I mean? Of course. <laughs> or like, something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to say as a white male on Instagram, I don't often feel seen. But, you know, sure. there aren't much people like me on the Instagram. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, it's, 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 it's. it's ridiculous the stuff I hear that other people go through on Instagram, both the good and the bad, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just based on the fact that there's a limited visibility for all different kinds of people. Whereas, like, you know, I'm a 
for the most part, always dressed white male on the internet. So most people don't give a crap about what I have to post. And that's legit. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a dime a dozen and that's fine. (laughs) But it's always interesting, like, the brief times when I post, like, a cast photo from a burlesque show. Or, like, I recently posted video game stills from uh, a game called Shantae, Half-Genie Hero, Mm. which is about a female protagonist who's a half-genie hero. Um, has very curvy hips and mm-hmm. is like shows her, her midriff like that's the design of the character mm-hmm. and I posted a screenshot of a boss battle with a giant mermaid who's also very curvy it's just mm-hmm. the style of the animation yeah and the first comment is wow look at those big boobs and I was like dude who really? are you like why <laughs> what is why, going on? why? What is going we get on? it like the, the these designs are aesthetically pleasing yeah that's not what this post is about why are you yeah. here yeah 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 because I can't stop thinking about my <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah. And and so it's interesting to me to hear that. I mean, for me also, I, I have no idea what my online persona is. It's whatever mm-hmm. people perceive it is at this point. Because uh-huh. I'm throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Totally. You know, with my four podcasts, several burlesque shows, <sighs> DJ career, and the day job. You know, it's yeah. like... So actually, I have an interesting question about Burlexes, yes. which is the show that you produce every year. Yes. for the It'll be the fifth year this year. Yeah, turning five. Yeah. <laughs> when you first started it, social media wasn't as ubiquitous, right? Right. So. Entirely. Was there, was there a trans, and so the show, for those listening who don't know, is focused on the experience of dealing with past trauma and your exes, mm-hmm. specifically. We call it Burlexes, an ode to the post-relationship. Yes. Yeah. Which has social media influenced how you promote that show or how you Ah, engage with it? Interesting. Just because, you know, also how we engage with our exes differently now. Like when you were dating someone in high school before social media existed, when you broke up, maybe you saw them around school, but after that they were gone. Agreed. Whereas now you break up with someone, if you're still friends with them on Facebook and forget, they show up in your feed and you're like, oh God, why? Yeah. Or, oh God, awesome. Like depending on how that goes. Absolutely. I think, um... Hmm. The, so the first ever burlesques that we did was on a college campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all of that promoting was very, like, it was like flyering. Like, we truly right. were, like, Like old school out rock pictures. and roll. Yeah, we had, like, it was, like, I had written some words over a picture of, <laughs> the, of some of the members of the troupe, and we printed that out and, like, plastered it places. Um, and I also was not as big on Instagram as I was when I was my biggest on Instagram. Right. Um, and that was a really limited audience um that were they were like all the same demographic they all went to our college right right um and i think that last year the fourth burlexus in new york city we did it at wow cafe theater was the first burlexus where like i there were some people in the audience that i really had no idea how they got here oh wow (laughs) which is cool yeah um usually it's like people that i know personally people who know one of the performers personally um and that's really interesting and really cool and it allows for a really intimate space but I also love allowing new people in yeah um and that's that's really it's rewarding in a different way sure um I think it's also the way that I've used social media and burlesques in the past has been about platforming um some really excellent visual art that Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with breakups um and a lot to do with exes and this really universal experience of having loved somebody and not loving them anymore or somebody having loved you so intensely that you might have thought you'd spend the rest of your lives together and now you're strangers um so painful and so many people can really relate to that um and so i think in that way that's been a lot of the promotion of burlexes in the past right um 
But I, it must be cool, though, to have promoted it through social media and having strangers in a room. Yeah. With a show that's so intimate. Do you remember if any of those people came up to you after to talk to you about the show? They did not. They but didn't? I, yeah. Because I think that there's, like, I also... Um, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to, in post-performance state, Yeah, it can be really hard for me to meet new people. Yeah, totally. For sure. I yeah, will, I like, that. Um, people want to be so kind afterward, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I'm just, like, I'm not in the headspace yeah. a lot of the time. Uh, I want to, like, lie down. After I count all this money, I need to lie <laughs> down and, like, not talk to anybody for, like, a day. I mean, also yeah. with Burlex is because it's so emotionally raw, even if... The breakup went well. No good breakup has no baggage. Yes. Like, I'm best friends with one of my exes. Mm-hmm. But she would readily admit, as a do I, that there was a ton of baggage when we broke up. And totally. we hated things about that relationship. Mm-hmm. One of the things is that we were destined to be best friends. Mm-hmm. We mistook that for true love. Yes. And then hilarity ensued. Finger <laughs> quotes. Um, but what's interesting to me about Burlexes is, like, it can be exhausting even if you're in a happy relationship. I, I So I contributed to it. There's a s- section where you put, where you encourage people to write things down on flammable paper and then you mm-hmm. send it out into the universe. You read it and then burn it and it goes away. Mm-hmm. And that was... And we do that. We read that on stage for everybody to hear. Right. Yeah. And so for me as someone who wrote something down that I f- didn't realize I was carrying it with me until I wrote it down mm-hmm. and when it went up in flames I felt lighter Mm -hmm. and I'm happily I was happily married at that time for several years I've been happily married this is about a past relationship that has evolved beyond that and it still felt good and it still felt cleansing and it still felt it's this show um, not to butter you up too much is the closest thing I've had to a religious experience oh my god (laughs) only because only because like I'm Jewish, um, I we celebrate the holidays. Mm. I'm still jury still out on God, but I celebrate the holidays and the yeah. traditions and all that. But at Burlex's, it was the fastest I had admitted something to myself, shared it with a room full of people, and then felt it go away, and that felt very spiritual to me. Oh my me. God, yeah, it it is in a lot of ways sanctity. Uh-huh. Um, it is a really intense and freeing experience for a lot of people, and I think. What I love the most about Burlexes, and Burlexes is my favorite thing that I do. It's like right. the thing that I am proudest of and the thing that I want to be remembered for um, when the burlesque uh, apocalypse happens, I guess. Or it's like only a matter of time <laughs> at this point. Um, I think that like there's a lot of room in Burlexes to acknowledge that there are as many ways to break up as there are to be a person. Right. Um, and it's a really, there's such a, a breadth of experience that comes like you there are so many we've had so many different acts about such different parts of the post relationship yeah um the first year that we did burlexus was really raw for a lot of us and um that my act that year was um really it it, it came from a really deep place of pain um and i in the act i shotgun a beer and then I throw up in a gift oh, bag on stage um, yeah it's like it's so it's so 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 intense yeah. and part of that the part of that um, metaphor is like forcing your body to expel something right um, even if you don't necessarily even if everything else in cerebrally is telling you not to let this thing go your body's like you have to let this thing go right um, and I we've also had acts that were about joy and about like 
uh, breaking up with all of the older versions of yourself that would have handled this differently than you would now. Oh, um, cool. And we also have acts where you are the ex and you actually yeah. did the bad thing. Yeah. Um, and we have acts about outgrowing things. Uh, a performer who doesn't really perform anymore in the first year um, cut their dress off with scissors as a means of like having outgrown this this very long-term, very serious relationship where they thought they were going to get married, you know? Right. Um, and let's see, we have acts. We've also, in the last year, it's interesting because um, we did burlesque for uh, burlesques for two years in New York, one year in Chicago, um, and then the fourth year was, in, was returning to New York, and we also had performers in the fourth show that had been in the first show. Yeah, I um, remember that. And both of their numbers were extrapolations on the relationships from four years ago. Oh, wow. And how their relationship to that breakup had changed in the four years since That's they first performed and processed this. Um, there was uh, one performer in the first year who had a really incredible act about um like a lot of pain that came from like a a, a monumental like kind of first ever queer relationship mm -hmm. um and having been cheated on in that relationship with somebody of the opposite gender Ugh. um and that specific experience and all the the way all the shitty ways that that makes you feel right um and all the pain that you have to process and then this year uh, or this this past year that we did it um had an act about how they were able to become friends with that ex and that it has also been a really painful process yeah. but something that exists in a place that can be really beautiful yeah um and can be good sometimes sometimes yeah. sometimes it's a hard line because i also i um i'm like pretty half and half on whether or not i'm friends with an ex yeah i have enough friends i have enough exes who uh, are friends with me that I feel like I'm capable of maintaining a good relationship and right. like and being able to compartmentalize a lot of that pain and being able to see somebody as a full person. Right. And then I also have exes that I cannot ever speak to again. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I think that also part of it is media is a lie about a lot of it. Like mm -hmm. the idea that you have to mourn a divorce is baloney. Yeah. Divorce is a good thing. Yeah. It's always a good thing yes. because it means two people who are not compatible with each other, having problems, shouldn't be together, don't want to be together, are no longer together. Yes. It is always a good thing. Yes. Even if the things that led to it were bad things. And even if the process of going through it is expensive and, like, terrible. Horrible. Yeah. It's still a good thing. Mm -hmm. But there's such a stigma on it. That you failed. Right. That instead it's a success because you realized it wasn't right. And mm -hmm. breakups are the same thing to a degree. A lot it, Breakups are always good because you're moving on. You're... you're, mm -hmm. you're it wasn't meant to be. Even if it's only one-sided, it's still not meant to be. Yeah, because imagine what it feels like for the other person. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I always found that really interesting. Now, of course, when you're going through it, it's miserable. Mm -hmm. Like when my ex, who I was engaged to, dumped me, I didn't eat for a week. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. because I, she dumped me, I didn't see it. Yeah. You know. Whereas she had probably made that decision for herself earlier. Right. And just had picked time. a terrible time to do it. Uh-huh. You know, I'm friends with her now. Yes. We get on really well. The reality was I just didn't see it then. And once mm -hmm. that cloud lifted, I was like, oh, but you're still a really cool person. And time has a big deal or a big thing to do with that, too. Sure. That time passes and yeah. it, it is able to Those become wounds less painful, heal. for sure. They never go away, though. Like, yeah. I, I, That's scar tissue. It is. I mean, but what's interesting is, like, also, like, when you involve sex in it, like, 
to not look at someone as a sexual being after you did at one point mm -hmm. is also weird. That's a true. Yeah, there's a, a, a real transition from romantic and sexual to platonic yeah. and vice versa. Um, and I think there's also one of the big things about Burlexis, too, is that I um, that ex and I were uh, I was also very involved in that friend group. Uh -huh. um, and it was hard for me to break up with that person and subsequently like feel like I couldn't also be a part of that friend group. Right. And, uh, it wasn't that I couldn't be a part of it, but that there were some things I could say and some things I, that were not OK for me to say, despite right. all of those things being real to me at the time. Mm -hmm. um, really intense feelings that I needed to validate somewhere and I needed to be heard and to be seen. And um, the first Burlexis especially was such the, the such there was such a focus on vulnerability Yeah. because I think a lot of the narrative, too, that we're, there were there are so many expectations around how relationships are supposed to go and yeah. there are also so many expectations on how breakups are supposed to go yep. and uh there's this i think that there is this unspoken um idea that be being able to be friends with your ex makes you a more emotionally intelligent person which is incorrect <laughs> it's very incorrect especially if that person is toxic <laughs> yeah. or it's just not a combination it's like it's... The, the, the combination of any two persons yeah. right is so completely dependent uh, on what exists between those two people and what those two people make for each other that to tell me across the board that I have to be friends with all of my exes or else I'm not emotionally mature or intelligent is obscene. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's also this idea that we blame ourselves for everything mm -hmm. or nothing. Mm -hmm. Like I, I what I'm what I would be curious about in a future burlesque's show um, which if y'all haven't caught on to is a burlesque show or, or a variety show mostly. Mm -hmm about the post-relationship. Like, what if someone who's a performer who feels like they were justified in their actions and did nothing wrong mm -hmm. in the breakup, mm -hmm. what would that act look like? Yes. You know, totally. or, or you know, it's just, there are so many different sides to the emotion of mm -hmm. a breakup. Oh, my God. It's why this, that show fascinates me more than other shows, just because I feel like it's one of those things where you can say there's no right answer. Mm -hmm. like, Absolutely. Like, you know, there are so many different ways to be a shitty person, a good person, mm -hmm. a thoughtful person, a thoughtless person. You know, yeah. it's just interesting to me when you put that on stage or write a song about it. What does that look like? Yeah. From all perspectives. It's. <sighs> what was the inspiration for the first one? Was it oh, just wow. a breakup? It was that breakup. It was, it that, was breakup. that breakup. Um, five years ago. Uh, and it, like the relationship truly wasn't that long even. It wasn't like a super long term relationship, but. It was devastating to yeah. me. Um, and I think that part of that was I personally was in a place that was having so much trouble, um, f like feeling visible. Mm -hmm. uh, and not even that I needed the attention. Um, as, I, as I learned, I hate. Uh, <laughs> based on our earlier conversation about Instagram, I like hate attention. But um, yeah, at the time, it was that like there are some... I think, okay, so one of the big inspirations behind the first Burlexis and in that motivation was, like, the complete and utter demolition of the stigma of, like, a crazy ex-girlfriend, mm, which yeah. is a super misogynistic phrase. Yep. And not to say that there aren't women who are capable of being, like, toxic and abusive, because, like, oh, my God. Right. Um, that's real, and that's so, so... It's also, it's hard because... Um, so many things go into how you handle 
uh, the destruction of a relationship, yeah. um, everything plays into it. It's both of your traumas. It's yeah. like, it's it's uh, all of these uh, coping mechanisms that the two of you have or don't have. Um, and I, I really, for the first Berlexis, I needed to feel, because I broke up with that person and I needed to feel justified in doing that and, and feeling it fully yeah. and experiencing it fully. And like, that was a love that I lost in a really painful way and right. I needed that to be expressed somewhere and so kind of like selfishly I was like <laughs> let's do to my troupe at the time um I was like let's do a whole burlesque show based on breakups yeah um and then everybody was like so in love with that idea and then it it came from there um yeah. and so it, it, that act the vomit act like was not something that I would have made ever unless it was for a show that was centered around this entire landscape right. of uh, breakups and that was uh, it was a really beautiful and really healing experience there yeah. were so many amazing amazing uh acts in that show i want to also shout out to nick's nocturne who was the first feature performer that we'd Love ever them. had um yeah. they're so good and their act um was like integral it was it was yeah. the feature act and they start as a, a victorian widow in mourning and over the course of that act become a black widow spider oh cool. uh, and it's really really cool and uh like another another um that narrative too is about going from being the victim in a breakup to becoming the villain right um and that's another like accountability conversation that we were just having um and that there weren't shows in new york at the time that i felt i could do that Right, and so that's that's totally the thing that producers do too. That's they create thing. to fill the void. Exactly, oh, absolutely. Or, or that like they're like I have, I want to see this somewhere. So I'll make. I it. will make it happen yeah. because nobody else is going to do it, and I have to do it. Oh yeah, um, I, since I started producing, like the reason there was a scrub show besides it being an inside joke between me and and Mary Sin, who was an inside joke with like Mary Sin and the folks of Epic <laughs> Burlesque before that, mm -hmm. like. I wanted it to happen, yeah. so we made it happen finally. Exactly. Or the the same thing with the Scott Pilgrim show, which yeah. you were a part of and yeah. you were phenomenal in. Thank you. Like I, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about that kind of relationship to an idea that yeah. you have an idea and you want to put it up somewhere, it's you can do it. Yeah. And I urge you to do it because I think that, um, just speaking from like somebody who lives in New York, I think that there's room. Oh, absolutely. For interesting, like, new ideas. I think that there's such room for all of whatever you're thinking of, like, making. And if you don't think that you can produce it because not every performer is a producer, mm -hmm. then talk to someone who is a producer. Mm -hmm. Like, I find as a producer, I don't always have ideas. Yeah. I'm lucky that I am a part of a three-person production team, and absolutely. so we often come up with stuff. But there are times where we're like, I don't know, what do you want to do? <laughs> so, like, if you have ideas, talk to people. There's nothing wrong with that. The worst yeah. they'll say is no, or we're not yeah. really interested, or whatever. Yeah. But, like, also... I didn't know how badly I needed to express certain things on stage, either verbally or mm -hmm. through movement or whatever, until mm -hmm. I've done it. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I had horrible stage fright. And when it comes to doing certain things on stage, I still have that. Yeah. But as of now, I've performed a lip sync on stage, I've hosted on stage, yeah. and I've DJed. Yeah. Like, so will I strip someday? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know that I have the confidence for that yet. But the point is, is that I no longer say I can't do something. Mm -hmm. Except singing on stage live. <laughs> I can't do that. Mostly because I cannot sing well. Um, but like, and I think something that I love about your work as a burlesque performer, as well as like a stage manager and a, and a kitten and a whatever mm -hmm. that you do is, 
I see a person of vision, like you don't just do something. Like you, you, I've seen you haphazardly do stuff. Sure. I've seen you do acts where you've told me backstage, yeah, it's sort of done. Oh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but I've also seen you when you want to have a, you know, a 10,000 foot view, you do and mm-hmm. you execute so well. Thank you. Does that come from being in, you were in school for theater, right? I was and I am on and off. Uh-huh. Um, that is, okay. So even, so, ah, Lord. Even before I went to college for theater, I was stage managing okay. um, in New York. That's true. And that was like fresh out of high school. And that, um, oh, wow, there's so much praise that I can sing about Sarah Topps. Oh my um, God, I could talk is, forever. Yeah, Sarah Topps is a, a burlesque uh, producer and performer in New York yeah. who doesn't necessarily do so much of either anymore, but um, was a really formative person in my uh, young adult life. And I actually met Sarah because we were neighbors. Um, she and, uh, Dick Move, uh, lived upstairs from me and my family. Oh, awesome. Uh, in the same apartment building. And so that's how we met. And one of the things that I learned from her, and I, this is weird because I'm, um, I'm now the age that Sarah was when she met me, uh-huh. uh, was that like, you really, you just have to go for it. Yeah. Um, and so just going for it has proven that. To me, at least, that um, every single person you know who is an expert at something is has, for a significant portion of that time, pretended to be an expert at that something before Absolutely they became correct. one. Absolutely um, correct. So much of this is about going into something um, and saying that, like, even if I am pretending to that <laughs> I that I deserve to be here, nobody else is going to question that I deserve to be here. Correct. Um, and that was a huge thing for me to learn, and that was a huge. Uh, thing that I had to learn as a producer too. Um, I started producing in college um, and it was, that was a lot easier because there wasn't really money to be tendered in those settings because it was more like a group of people coming together to do something that they really loved and charging pay what you can at the door. Right. Um, And so money was never the intention, but that was like such a place of privilege. Um, And it's, it's it's this thing about burlesque too, is that it's not necessarily a lucrative industry Um, and any producer will tell you that Um, that so much of this is a labor of love and that it has to come from such a place of love well because there's this need to put it out there mm -hmm. if you're producing a show to to just be performance but to not there are plenty of shows that exist that are just nice to look at and there's nothing wrong with that there's room for all of it yeah correct but I've always found, as a producer personally, if I am not invested in the thing I'm producing mm-hmm. or not producing with people who mm-hmm. are invested in the thing that we're producing, yeah. it feel, it falls flat. It feels empty. And it, that's dangerous. And that's Yeah, because then it's just... it's And also, you talk about just going for it. The reason I have four podcasts is mm-hmm. because I was like putting out what you want to see in the world. Like, mm-hmm. I'm mad at myself now because... The shows that I make, I wish someone else made so I could listen to them. Mm-hmm. And I listen to my own shows because mm-hmm. I'm a tiny bit nar- narcissistic. <laughs> but also, it's one of those things where it's like nobody's doing an in-depth a- analysis about Mass Effect. And if yeah. we play the characters true to ourselves, what do the sexual relationships look like? What do the yep. interactions between the characters look like? Yep. Why do we make those choices? So I'm making one. And I'm insanely jealous of our listeners yeah. because I'm someone who would love this kind of show, yeah. but I'm listening to it very differently because I make it. Totally. You know? And it's the same thing with burlesque. I found like producing the shows that I produce, when I get to be the DJ 
more or less I can remove myself a little bit, even though sure. I'm helping producing it because I'm in the back playing the music or yeah. on the side playing the music. Sure. So I'm removed from the show. The emotional investment is not the same as producing it. Right. Yeah. But when I'm when I'm hosting or 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 performing on the odd occasion, there's I have to be invested in the theme yeah. and the show. Because mm-hmm. if I'm not I I don't know how I would do it. Yeah. I just don't think I could. So much of this comes from a place of like, I have to, otherwise I will explode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, there was an interview um, that I was reading from like an actor that I really liked and the, the, the question always is like, do you have any advice for young people who are trying (laughs) to get into this field? And this person, this actor was like, you cannot really imagine yourself doing something else if this is the thing that you want to do and if you want to go for this you cannot really picture yourself doing something else and like thriving in that and loving every second of that like survival gigs are definitely a thing right but and the like the the thing about having to love it is also why i only do burlexes once a year right because I have to love it. Right. Um, and I and imagine doing that more, like doing that as a monthly show would wreck you, I'm sure. Yeah. Like how could you, that would be a lot of mental strain, Compromising I my love for this show is uh, something that I'm really afraid of and also something that's, it, it comes and it goes. I think because, sure. so I'm in the process of planning the fifth anniversary of Burlexas right now and my relationship to the post relationship has changed. And sure. that is inevitable and something that I'm welcoming and I'm really interested to see how this impacts the show this year because the whole thing is that your relationship to your relationships changes because your relationship to yourself changes right um and to the person that you used to be and being able to be self-critical and being able to be analytical um and being able to I, I think that a lot of to the pain from breakups comes from wanting to hold somebody accountable yeah. for all of this pain. And that has to also be part of it you, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm really interested to see how it plays out this year. Uh, Is there yeah. ever a year when you do it and then you go, never again, I'm done? Um, I think that I, I hit the point of never again in like the two weeks right before we're like, <laughs> <laughs> and then it, then you forget, it's yeah. like, I guess like the rumor of childbirth that you hate it the whole time, but then afterwards and you see a baby you're like, oh, yeah. like almost like you, you brainwash yourself yes. to this experience that's really intense that yeah. you're like, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I was, when I was rehearsing for my performance in our Panic at the Disco show, I was like, this will be fine when I was three months out. Uh-huh. And then when I realized I was a month out and I hadn't rehearsed once, mm-hmm. I was like, and then like the, the hours before I was a mess, yeah. I was just freaking out. Yeah. And then I did it and it was over. I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. But I promise you for my, ne- I'm planning an act already for next year, I'm going to go through the same thing again. Yeah. That's uh, part of the process. Is it? It is part of the process. Because it's new to me. Like, I, it, do um, you feel that way about the acts that you do? It took me... Uh, so I've been performing burlesque for just uh, close to seven years, somewhere before or after that, maybe six. Okay. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> and also, like, hard. what even counts? You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Like, oh, God. But I did, t- I want to say it took me maybe three or four years before I stopped blacking out on stage. Wow. But that's also somebody, I don't come from a, from a performing arts background, and right. I think neither Same. do you. Like, yeah. I'm not trained in acting. I'm yeah. not a really, like, I don't. I don't love public speaking. You know, like that's not my like <laughs> yeah. main thing is like getting up in front of a bunch of people um, and doing whatever I do. But it did take me a long time before I could step off stage and remember 
that I had done something on stage or that I rem- I would I could remember a moment that I experienced of like I right. looked into the audience and I saw this person and we made eye contact. Right. I could not tell you any of those details for the first three years that I was oh, doing wow. it. But I also wasn't performing very frequently and part right. of it has to do with like do this as much as you can allow yourself to and as right. much as other people want to have you because all of that experience is essential. Um, because it's so... The point, when you get to that point, it's magical because, specifically, because it is an experience that you are sharing with people instead of something that other people are watching you do. Yeah. Um, Because, like, you're not even watching you do it. Right. It's transactional to (laughs) agree. Well, yeah, the first show, and I've told this on the podcast before, but the first show I ever hosted for MGB was a basement show with, like, 15 people, Mm -hmm. and I blacked out the whole time. Like, I don't remember any of the show except when I got on stage and when I walked off stage. Yep, yep. And so, like, and that that changed over time, whereas now I host pretty easily for me. I'm still a little anxious, but for the most part, if there's, like, a handful of people in the room that I know, Mm -hmm. strangers being in the room don't bother me. And, like, it got to the point where, like, at the video game show, I was so comfortable because the video games are such a niche that I know super well and I'm confident about Uh with two video game podcasts under his belt. (laughs) Like, I made a joke about a game that landed and people erupted. I made a joke about Fallout 76 being a ghost town or whatever and like the room went nuts where I could never tell that joke anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. But it was one of those things where I felt comfortable in that room because I knew the audience and I knew the subject matter really mm-hmm. well. Yeah. It's why I feel so confident about music burlesque shows because I'm yeah. a big music nerd and like so spending a whole show nerding out about a specific band or a specific mm. type of music is really it feels familiar to me. What we forget too is that everybody in the audience is rooting for you yeah we want to like you yeah unless you're at a bar you to be yourself yeah. like yeah unless yep. you're like at a bar forcing people to endure your mm-hmm, show mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. otherwise if it's a planned show in a space that has shows it's a performance oriented space yeah they want to be there definitely they paid to be there the, as far as the, um, I God, I never want to fucking do this again feeling yeah. goes, uh, there's a performer in Chicago right this way, Robbie, who I'm very close with, uh, who is in that Burlexes in Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, and that was a, a really special show because it was also a goodbye party uh-huh. um, because I was moving away. I was moving back home to New York. Um, but he said something to me that I, I carry with me always whenever I'm in a horrible headspace about performing is that um, he said... There is a point where this show will happen, literally, whether or not you do anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> At a certain point, there comes a time, there's a, there's a threshold uh, that you cross where, like, even if I were to dip right now and fly across <laughs> the country and, like, move away and never see any of you fuckers again, like, this show is going to happen yeah. because people came here and your performers showed up and somebody is going to get on stage and do something and give yeah. them that show. And that, and like, that that's such a sweet thing to remember when yeah. I'm in the midst of, like, burlesque as hell. <laughs> that, like, this is going to happen, um... Because and also because the show is uh, for the most part curated, yeah. um, it's a lot of people that I trust will make this show the magical thing that it is every year. Because we all have a real sense of what this show is. Right. Um, I got to stop producing by myself, probably. <laughs> I mean, that would be helpful. <laughs> the huge, like, the I huge don't fan. think I could do it without Betty and Raina. Totally. Like they. Also, because part of it is like they support my stupid ideas. Mm. Like it's something that simple, but also like something that we're very good at as a team is when one of us doesn't have the spoons to do something, yep. the other two just go, okay, we'll do it. Yeah. 
And I think that you it would behoove you to find someone that you can do that with, even if they're not a full-time producer of this oh, show. Truly. Just someone... I could list on two hands people who would probably want to help you with this on any degree. And so I think you should embrace that. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. You should make your life a little easier. <laughs> right? At least where we can. And also because Burlexes is, um, yeah, it's a burlesque show, but it also has so many elements. It does. To it. And it's not just burlesque. It's such Because a, you it's do like have an, live music and yeah. you do have, you've had spoken word and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that. Uh, going into it thinking about it as like an experience as a little bit helpful. It sounds really pretentious, but it is like, it is an evening. And as somebody who's been to the show, I think yeah. that you can kind of attest to oh, the world that we build in that space. Well, it's, there's a vibe. The minute you walk in the door, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a, a familiar feeling, mm-hmm. especially if you've been through this. Like, yeah. I'd imagine if you were someone who's in their 20s and never been through a breakup walking into that room might feel a little odd. But otherwise, any other part of that spectrum, Mm -hmm. you will recognize that space. And that we also, we are also like honoring relationships that maybe were never even recognized as as relationships at the time. Yeah. Um, God, we have, yeah, we've had really incredible moving moments in the show that had to do with like people that never acknowledged what you were. Yeah. You know, um, we do a uh, swap table mm-hmm. <laughs> that where uh, you can bring things that your ex gave you and exchange it for things that other people's exes gave them. That you might um, have a good memory attached to yeah, because it's from that show. Exactly. Yeah. Um, some there are some, and also there 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 have been objects. Um, I I personally know most of the stories for all of those objects because people will make a point to come to me and be like, or if it's if it's a performer bringing something to donate, yeah. they'll also have the story of why they're bringing this thing. Right. Um, and knowing that is so powerful. Sure. And to also be like, oh, yeah, I just thought that it was a really pretty necklace, so I took it. <laughs> and then right. That Let it being that yeah. frivolous. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Totally. And Absolutely. that's a release that's really wonderful. Um, and this year and the year before, we uh, did the flash paper thing mm-hmm. um, where audience members write in a sentence or a couple sentences, something about a past relationship that they want to let go. And then uh, the host and I will read those on stage and set them on fire and release them into the universe. Uh, For everyone to hear and everybody being a part of that, it's such an important thing for me for the audience to feel like they're healing too. Well, especially even if they don't have something to add to it, like Mm -hmm. they don't write something down, the people react to it Mm -hmm. like they either go oh or or like a visceral like guttural reaction if it's like terrible stuff yeah yeah. um you hear yourself in these things and i this is something i think about a lot too is that even as children and this is why i think that like i'm really passionate about theater and i think that like good theater for young audiences trusts that they they trust the children yeah to be intelligent and to be human beings and because like we're searching for ourselves yeah. on stage where we want to be understood and we want to be mirrored. And we, when we see an experience of ours be mirrored on stage without us having to have asked for it yeah. is really such a powerful thing to say, Oh my God, that I, I see myself in that. Um, last year I did uh, an act where I cut my hair on stage um, and that, was really emotional for a lot of people and I didn't uh-huh. I didn't necessarily expect it but I guess that it is kind of it's this it's just such a joke right that like right. you go through a breakup and you cut your hair off right but also that's so real it is yeah. and it's relatable I think the the most drastic changes I've ever made to my hair like I 
I had l- hair down past my shoulders, mm-hmm. and then after a bad breakup, I shaved it off to like mm-hmm. really short buzz cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just something satisfying doing that. Yeah. Dying too, like when you were in the Scott Pilgrim show, you did a variant on an act you've done before where you dye your hair on stage. Mm-hmm. And, like, your act happened in the first half, and by the end of the second half... For it's, curtain call. <laughs> it's, it's a different color. Yeah. And, like, I remember when you came out on stage, people, like, there were audible gasps. Like, yeah. people were like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, like they really real. dyed their hair. <laughs> they really did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, God, I love it. I think physical change in a performance space is really powerful. Yeah. I think that's why the act of stripping... For me, at least, as an observer, like, sometimes it's just sexy. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just that basic and animalistic mm-hmm. that and I it find... it is hot, and I'm so glad. <laughs> right. But sometimes it's more than that. And some of my favorite performances are ones where there's a real change on stage, where it's an emotional arc or mm-hmm. physical change. Yeah. Like, those things tend to resonate because I think those are more visceral that is to so, a, yeah. personal, a person's, their own experience. It's That's so much of Berlex's. Um I'm thinking about all the acts that we had last year, and they're so. Uh, Davina Grandsparkle mm-hmm. did an act where she cut meat off of her body. Yeah. Um, it wasn't her own flesh. It was like I don't. I don't want to like gross people out <laughs> too much, but that's also I wanted that act um, because of how visceral it is. Right. And, and like, oh my god, that the the like likening like it doesn't that doesn't have to you don't have to perceive that to be about a breakup, but when it's placed in that context, yeah. Oh my god. Well, and also like you said, like um, she had meat attached to her, mm-hmm. and she's cutting the meat off, but it definitely re- resembles cutting off your own flesh, uh-huh. even though yeah, they're definitely not. And the noise and it's the just, smell of meat. It's it, like it, everything about that is so like. All-encompassing. Um, and also, Davida Grant Sparkle is a fairly upbeat, over-the-top, comical performer. Mm-hmm. And even in that space, it reads in this way that's just so different. Yes. Which is fascinating totally. to me. Totally. Um, I also want to mention the zine that we do. Uh-huh. Um, and that's integral to Burlexes because... Um, uh, starting out in Burlesque, I did a lot of Nerdlesque stuff, specifically. Right. Um, and a lot of Nerdlesque stuff shows... Um, you generally are well served to have a sense of the source material before you go into a burlesque show. Um, And that is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, And that actually, I think, is what makes an incredible nerdlesque act is when you haven't seen the source material, but you like love that act anyway. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that that's amazing, and I love when that happens. And so for burlesques, there is no way for everybody in the audience <laughs> to understand all the relationships that all these people have been through that got us to this point. Right. And so the zine is necessary. It it functions as um, kind of a program or a playbill for the yeah. audience. Every single member of the audience gets one. Um, and all it is is uh, every performer gets um, a two-page spread of like an eight-and-a-half by 11 sheet of yeah. paper. Um, and we compile them all together. And the, the, each performer gets to contextualize the relationship that they're performing about. Um and that can be through poetry, and it can also be through visual art. And we've had collages in the past. Um, we've had uh, consensually shared screenshots of text messages. Wow. Um, and yeah, like those are some of those are like my very favorite favorite things. It's so painful um, and so rich. And sometimes you can tell so much. It's 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 amazing yeah. how much of a story you can tell um, so simply. I love that. <laughs> I love I love this show. So much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and talking about it makes me really want to do it. Uh, and I think maybe that's such a, it's such a funny, wonderful thing to have 
gotten to a place where I've done this show for so long that my relationship to it can change. Right. Um, that this show that's about changing relationships mm-hmm. itself also changes. Absolutely. And your relationship to it changes. Yeah. I mean, also, like, uh, last year, going to the show as an audience member, it was such a specifically distilled experience for me mm-hmm. that... I know, and it's known that you may not have the same experience as the person sitting next to you. That's Mm -hmm. not what it's about. It's your Mm -hmm. experience with Mm -hmm. the show. But, like, I have no idea what my experience will be next time. Mm -hmm. I'm not in the same headspace I was a year ago. I, You know, my relationship is amazing, and I love my wife, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I'm more or less depressed than I was last year. And So, like, how you engage with that. I think what's interesting to me about... Not necessarily dramatic, but definitely emotionally charged things is I am an an emotional person who didn't realize until earlier this year that the the medication I was on that uh, my psychiatrist put me on Mm -hmm. was muting my emotional experience. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm someone who can cry listening to songs he loves, Mm -hmm. hates, Mm -hmm. is happy, Mm -hmm. sad. I just, I cry a lot listening to music. I'm an emotional listener to music. And it wasn't until recently that I realized I spent a lot of time last year not crying to music. Totally. Because of the medication I was on. Absolutely. And it had helped me in so many other ways because I was in a bad way. Yeah. But in, instead of being in a really bad place, I was now in a middle place. And I wasn't any mm. place. And it wasn't until earlier this year that I realized, oh, that was that. And now while the lows can still be really low, the yeah. highs are much higher now. Yeah. And that's something you don't realize. It's, and so like, I'm wondering if I'll experience the show differently yeah. because I was already emotional at that show. It's, but now that that's changed for me, if I'll experience more or less or what. It's such uh, an immensely, like, treasured and cherished thing that, like, every single person brings all of them into that room. Yeah. That's so good and so cool. Yeah. And I, and I love also that it's, it's such a... <laughs> The, the expectation at burlesque shows, too, is that you cheer yeah. when something happens that you like on stage. And burlesque is one of those shows where things are happening on stage that you like and can love deeply, but cheering is not the right response. Yeah. Um, and there are other ways to respond to what you're watching and other ways to show a performer that, like, yes, I see you. Yeah. And yes, that this is, I, I, I treasure this and I thank you for sharing this with us. Um, can I talk about uh, the third burlexes that I ever did? Yeah. Uh, you can talk a... about whatever you want. Oh, this is shoot. your episode. I mean, I guess. Um, <laughs> this was in Chicago. And in Chicago, we did the show um, in an apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was cool. And um, we, we typically do the show in small spaces anyway. But having it in a living space was really special. Um, we had kind of like set up a performance area in the living room. Um, and it was a long apartment. So the kitchen's all the way at the other end of the apartment. And... That was where folks entered, and we had like pizza, and um, the pizza went fast. So there was no <laughs> there was no pizza very soon after that. Um, and so I will usually I, I placed myself um, right after intermission mm-hmm. uh, because my piece that year um, I was also I had gone through maybe my worst suicidal uh, and depressive episode, mm-hmm. um, and leaving Chicago was a really, it was a deeply emotional experience for me for a lot of reasons, but my performance that year started with, uh, it was, it was me coming into the apartment and then moving about the space as if I was 
getting home from work and doing all the things that I have to do to mm. be, to live and to be home and to be alive and to go to bed. Um, and the other things about that performance, a lot of things went into it, but one of them was that all of the lights were off mm-hmm. in the apartment. Um, and it was suggested, but never explicitly stated that uh, you, as an audience member, could use whatever source of light you wanted to to light whatever you wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all the lights turned off and the music started. And the music that I used was the track Technically Missing from the Gone Girl soundtrack composed by <laughs> Trent Reznor. And, yeah. and it's, yeah, it's so silly but um, to, to say that out loud. But it was a really, <laughs> that performance um, was also at the height of when I was um, visible on Instagram. And mm-hmm. I was also getting so fucking tired of being so visible. Right. And I, I wanted the act to be about how you can live and not be performing. You yeah. can, and like you can heal and it doesn't have to be performative healing. Right. And you don't have to tell anybody that you're healing and doing that work for yourself. Right. And actually you should focus on doing the work for yourself instead of to proving to other people that you're healing. Yeah. Um, and so all the lights were off and I was moving through the apartment and going to the kitchen and opening the fridge and then going to the bathroom and then going to the bedroom and then going back to the kitchen and opening the fridge, even though nothing has changed. And I didn't put anything in the fridge, but that's what we do when we're home is we look at the fridge over and over and over again and nothing changes. Um, And uh, there, because it was so dark, people were, somebody caught on really quickly and followed me with their phone light Mm -hmm. on. Um, And I didn't expect this to happen, but uh, like everybody started to use their phones to light oh, my wow. way and because the apartment the apartment was really full and it was not a massive apartment but um what ended up happening because i was moving so rapidly through the apartment is that audience members lined the walls of the apartment with their and lights. stopped following me and they backed against the walls and all of them lit the apartment and no matter where i looked it was just lights and I couldn't see anyone's faces and it was like the most isolating uh, and freeing experience of like moving through the world as myself and knowing too that other people are there and are watching me and having to not care for for like or heal for their sake right Um, and I think yeah that was that was uh, a really intense and immersive thing and I think that if you if you were thinking about <laughs> how Brillex feels based on the way that we're describing it, yeah. <laughs> I think that this kind of experience um, was uh, and is like a, a pretty good example of like the extremes of that space, sure, and how the show transforms the emotional landscape of the room, and that people like just lean into it, mm-hmm. that people want to participate, and that's really like again like something i really prioritize is that audience members feel welcome and like they belong and not in a way that like uh not as in like they they came to the show because they're huge fans of the franchise (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) um but that uh, it is a hard show and uh this year for burlexes or i'm sorry last year the fourth year um two or three performers, I, I want to say three performers over the course of the process dropped out. 
um, two of them oh, wow. within the week or days before the show. Wow. Because it's hard. You're right, because it's just it's too a, much. It's a hard show, yeah. and it can bring up a lot of really hard things. And, uh, like, the only way that we can do this and handle this is together. Yeah. And that's a huge part of the experience that I want to make. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't I didn't intend for this episode to be a focus on burlexes <laughs> and a retrospective of it, but I'm glad it was. Anytime. <laughs> um, I'm so happy that you're on the show on your own. It was a pleasure to have you with Lefty and Anya to mm-hmm. support the Nerdless Fest last year, but... You, I mean, I love you, and I'm a big fan of the work you do. Yeah. It's sometimes infuriating <laughs> that I just, I'm so jealous sometimes of how smart you are and the things you've come up with. Like, again, and I've said it before in the space, and I'll say it now on the air, I think Burlexis is one of the most brilliant ways to express yourself in a visual medium that I've ever seen. Wow. It's just, it's just because I would have never thought of that. Thank you. Um, as an emotional person who was called a crybaby as a kid, who was like mm-hmm. someone who didn't know how to always process his emotions, how dealing with toxic masculinity and mm-hmm. being fragile and feminine, mm-hmm. like all this, like it's just, it's such an openly emotional show. Yeah. That's why I like it so much. Thank you. Um, you know, I promise that Hart likes really happy and awesome <laughs> things too. Um, but I, I urge the listeners to follow... Heart where you can on the internet mm-hmm. and and pursue this show because it's definitely worth seeing. Thanks. Um, for Lexus is an end of summer sport. Yeah. Uh, and is tentatively set for end of August, beginning of September in New York City. Yeah. Um, if and you, that's that's a real like changing of the seasons feeling too. It, yeah. ha- it has to be like the dusk of the summer. Yeah, uh, totally. For it to feel what it is, yeah. Um, but you can follow. You know where to find me on Instagram if you're listening to this show or on face uh, Facebook or Twitter, and I will tweet share and post the <laughs> hell out of this show once there's an official announcement thank um, you. but thank you for being on the show with me thank you thank you thank maybe you. next time we'll talk about video games and music I mean, and other things i love you too so it's like <laughs> there's so much fun stuff to do on this planet and yeah i, I look forward to it, it yes. yeah it, it it doesn't always have to be so um geez internal and introspective but yeah. I, I also love tenderness I, and I, I also want to say that I have loved every second of talking about this with you well, thank you I appreciate <laughs> that um, if I, the easier I can get the guests talking without me having to say a damn thing is my preferred way to engage in this <laughs> podcast as I know people some people listen for me but most people are tuning in for the guests so um, Hart thank you for being on the show um, Heart Crimson, is there anywhere on the internet that you are that you want to share with people? I mean, I'm on Facebook. Okay. And if you want to, if, if you're listening to this and you want to engage with me more, I would recommend sending me a message on Facebook uh, and specifically saying that you heard me talking about this. Because then I, I will know that you're not a rando that I can't yeah, trust. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, the last thing I'll ask you to do is do our sign off. The show, um, I sign it off with the phrase, music is life and life is good. And it's it's evolved from my music podcast is this idea that as long as you're making art mm-hmm. that you enjoy or you're proud of, mm-hmm. life can't be that bad. Truly. So if you will sign us off with that phrase, I would really appreciate it. Oh my goodness. Music is life and life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashcords.com or hit us up 
on Twitter at Crash Chords Web. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weburlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good.